I was shocked, you know? They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that? To exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows four out of five dentists recommend True Crime Garage after meals and before bed. Here is the captain. That other dentist is locked in our basement. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. It's another great week here in the garage, and we are featuring Heart of Darkness from the brewers at Magic Hat Brewing Company. Heart of Darkness is a delicious but diabolical stout with bittersweet chocolate. It pours as dark as the night. ABV, 5.7% garage grade, three and three-quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some cheers to some of our friends out there. A big We Like Your Jib goes out to Tracy from Grapevine, Texas. And we also have JDR in beautiful St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. Thank you to all for helping us fill up the fridge this week. If you want to help us out with next week's beer run, just go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the pint glass. Yeah, B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. Like always, we want to thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us here in the garage. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Colonel, that is enough of the business. All right. Thank you, Captain. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
It's true. Yes, I've been ill, very ill. But why do you say that I have lost control of my mind? Why do you say that I am mad? Can you not see that I have full control of my mind? Is it not clear that I am not mad? Indeed, the illness only made my mind, my feelings, my senses stronger, more powerful. My sense of hearing especially became more powerful. I could hear sounds I had never heard before. I heard sounds from heaven. I heard sounds from hell. Listen, listen, and I will tell you how it happened. You will see. You will hear how healthy my mind is. It is impossible to say how the idea first entered my head. There was no reason for what I did. Edgar Allan Poe, The Telltale Heart. start off this week's worldwide garage cast with three brutal and very scary unsolved murders in the florida keys all taking place in the span of about one year just under 13 months in fact these three murders had everyone on high alert and rightfully so the three victims were all said to be vulnerable female victims they were all killed and their bodies recovered in the short span of July 1988 to July 1989. Some women were buying and packing their purses with cans of mace. Some, inspired by the fear and violence, were buying and packing their purses with pistols. Others were signing up for defense classes. All three of these murders would take place in a 10-mile radius of each other. Yeah, this is a 10-mile string of rural coral rock barrier islands. Big Pine Key, Little Torch Key, and No Name Key, all down near the southernmost tip of Florida. Now, while the papers describe all of the victims collectively as vulnerable females, all three of them could not be more different from one another. The first victim was four-year-old Patty Lanza. And then about six months later, we have a second victim. This is 20-year-old cancer survivor Lisa Sanders. And then the third victim was a 39-year-old former beauty queen from Illinois, her name Sherry Parisho, who was very intelligent. Sherry was homeless by choice, living a very, let's say, hippie lifestyle, for lack of a better term, and sleeping under the stars in beautiful Big Pine Key. The killings and, frankly, the horrific nature of how all three of the victims were killed and what was done to the bodies spawned some very scary rumors. Some were saying that a serial killer was using the Keys as a hunting ground. Some saying that it was the work of the Florida Keys Ripper. And the local media had its own theory. Either it was the work of a lunatic, a Satanist, or perhaps drug cultist sacrificing victims. One headline read, Murders in Rural Keys Spawn Rumors of a cult. Victims lived 
in a murky fringe world. That article is from the Miami Herald from 1989. And the article, Captain, it's a lengthy one, so I've cherry-picked some of the highlights here. And it reads, Big Pine Key, Florida, Sherry Parisho slept under the stars in a little green dinghy. Little green dinghy was my nickname in high school. She talked about the magic of Saturn. She said she had the power to make rain. Everyone in these once heavenly keys called her the Rainmaker. Then, on the night after a full moon, someone from hell, lunatic or Satanist, snatched the Rainmaker's soul. A killer slit her throat, cut open her chest, and stole her heart. The murder of Sherry Parisho, 39, a high school beauty queen from Illinois, is the third unsolved homicide of a female along this 10-mile string of rural coral rock barrier islands. Big Pine Key, Little Torch Key, and No Name Key, all within a year. One of the other victims, like Parisho, had a missing heart. And some people in these keys, usually laid back and relaxed, are very, very frightened. Quote, the consistent story is that the murders had something to do with a satanic cult connected with drug shipments. Detectives are mystified. They measure tire tracks, take clothing descriptions, and confront an almost frenzied local rumor mill. They haul in for polygraph tests, a variety of key critters, as they call them, eccentrics, aging hippies with earrings, tattoos, and ex-cons and suspected drug dealers. Monroe County Sheriff Jay DeFore doesn't advance a murder theory and downplays talk that drug cultists sacrificed the victims. Quote, we haven't ruled it out, the sheriff says, but we haven't ruled out Martians either. Well, you got to love a smart ass. All the victims were vulnerable females, one four years old. She lived with her mother. All the victims lived in a murky fringe world of transients wild parties, and talk of white powder and black magic. Cult-related or not, the murders have brought attention to the growing problem of Satanism in the Keys. Rhonda Poor works at a church in Marathon. She says she has counseled six or seven recovering cultists. They've been involved in initiations. They use girls for ritual offerings on altars, making them lie on slabs. One boy said he had to take a large live animal, kill it, and drink the blood. On July 2nd, 1988, the first murder occurred. Little Patty Lanza, four, wearing a white jumpsuit, went with her mother, Deborah, to a party on Little Torch Key. It was a big, wild affair. People were probably doing cocaine, says Kim Normandy, who attended the party. She remembers Patty's mother confused about where her little girl was. The mother was sort of out of it, Normandy says. Sheriff's deputies found the jumpsuit and underwear in the woods, not far from Patty's body. An autopsy indicated that she had been sexually assaulted and then clubbed on the head. The murderer is a vicious, dangerous person, had no fear to snatch a four-year-old from a party and do this just moments away from a large group of people. Sheriff DeFore goes on to say that he does not believe that this killing is connected to the others. 
Investigators cite differences in the victim's ages and the way that they died. There's a very compelling link in these three murders, and that seems to be geography and time. The girl's grandparents believe Patty's death is cult or drug related. The grandmother asked the homicide investigators to send her surviving grandchildren to a psychiatrist, especially one of them. She goes on to say, I think may know something and is afraid to talk about it. Detectives questioned Patty's mother and a friend, his name Mike Bologna. He is a tow truck operator. The second murder occurred December 17, 1988. And be it small town coincidence or conspiracy, the victim's parents lived next door to the first victim's grandparents. Our second victim is Lisa Sanders, age 20. She was a small woman, 4 foot 9, 105 pounds, recovering from leukemia. She came to the Keys from Michigan to join her parents. Her hair was still thin from the chemotherapy. Six weeks after her arrival on a Friday night, she left her trailer park wearing blue jeans, a pink tank top, a silver necklace, two gold chains, and her high school ring with a topaz stone. She went to a wild party. Maybe 100 to 200 other people attended that party. Almost every Friday, the partygoers gathered on a deserted road to drink, smoke pot, and raise hell. This was on sparsely populated no-name key. Yeah, I used to go to big parties back when my nickname was Little Green Dingy. She was to meet her mother, Marilyn, at a flea market at 6 a.m. on Saturday to sell Christmas decorations. However, she never made it. At noon, sheriff's deputies noticed vultures near a rock pit a mile from the party site. They found the body nude in some bushes. They had to chase away the vultures. Dr. R.J. Nelms Jr., Monroe County's medical examiner, reported that the victim had multiple skull fractures and knot marks on her neck, consistent with a rope and strangulation. They concluded that the killer had also clubbed her on the head, apparently with the butt of a pistol, and stabbed her with a double-edged knife, left to right through both eyes. Nelms noted numerous holes, measuring up to three inches. Some, he said, caused by the vultures. Missing from the body were most of the heart, brain, eyes, neck muscles, appendix, ovaries, bladder, and parts of the lung. Neither the pathologist nor the detectives are certain how the organs were removed, by vultures, by a madman, or by both. But it appears investigators say that someone dragged the victim down a hard rock road while she was still alive, apparently behind a vehicle. Marilyn Sanders says she thinks her daughter was murdered by a Satanist. Quote, I don't believe for a minute the vultures did it. Yeah, maybe this murderer is a Satanist, but he is also definitely giant pile shit. Most certainly the vultures did not remove the heart of Sherry Parisho, the third murder victim. Someone cut it out with a knife. Says Nelms, the pathologist, quote, I think it is possible it was the same knife used in the second murder. Like the two other victims, Parisho was short, five foot two. She had a childlike innocence about her. She kept a diary, painted, and liked to soak up the sun in a blue bikini. 
She rode around town on a bicycle every evening. Before calling it a day, she straddled her knapsack in pots and pans across her dinghy. The little boat had her name on the back. She would row out under the Pine Channel Bridge to about four feet of water and sleep there in the swimming hole. At about 10 p.m. July 19th, a tourist from Ohio fishing off the bridge thought he hooked a big fish. It was Sherry Parisho's left elbow. You can't trust anybody from Ohio. So like you said, three female victims all connected within a 10-mile radius, but varying degrees of age. But when you hear rumors that two of the victims' hearts were removed, that's going to get everybody locally on high alert. Yeah, this is a difficult thing to sit here and try to make sense out of, right? Because we have these three murders, and what we do have is we have the police coming out, and they're saying, we don't feel that this first one is connected to the other two. We can't say for certain that the other two are even connected to one another. We do have the fact that, one, they're all killed in close proximity to one another, and they're also killed within a short time period from one another. And, oh, by the way, right. the three cases are unsolved. And so until we know who did one, two, or three of these killings, we just don't know exactly what happened. Now, Captain, not too many folks out there throw out praise and cheers to investigative journalists like yours truly. You're a kiss-ass. So traditionally, I'm a fan. However, one thing that I strongly encourage that we all should be doing constantly is to read between the lines. Always look for the story inside the story. Always ask yourself, what are they not telling us? And never be afraid to question what we are told. Now, you have to be careful in some of these situations, because sometimes I feel like news outlets can stray from the good sound reporting and venture into the sales industry. Right. And what they're trying to sell us is fear. And the more you watch and read, the more you become afraid, the more afraid you are, the more you will return to watch or read because we are afraid of the things that are out there. We are afraid of the things that could harm us or our families. A lot of times these things we have little control or no control over, but in some weird way, we feel like if we tune in, if we stay informed, well, we have control over that. Well, just the pot calling the kettle black. And so in this case, it's really interesting here because I think they did some great work here. The Miami Herald is doing a great job on reporting these cases. The article is fantastic and the writing is excellent. The, Article comes from the Miami Herald staff writer, Sidney Friedberg, doing gangbusters work down there in the South Beach area. But they stray a bit when it comes to these theories. It looks like we have a lot of the local scuttlebutt that is making its way into these news stories. And I mean across the board. So this is the one that we chose to go through in good detail. However, this was just one of dozens of articles that were coming out around this area, all over Florida at this time, because of the nature of these horrific murders. Right. We chose to go with this one because none of these other articles were as good or as thorough as this one. Now, they could be right on some level, right? Like my boy Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. There's no way you've met Meatloaf. So if anyone out there in listener land wants to keep score, here we go. 
as the colonel sees it anyway. So is it a lunatic or lunatics responsible for one of the murders or all three? Absolutely yes. Ding. That's a score. Could a Satanist be involved in one of these murders? Yes, of course. So ding again. But a drug cult sacrificing victims, well, you heard the sheriff emphatically quash that notion when he says, we haven't ruled it out, but we haven't ruled out Martians either. Right. So it looks like while drugs may be involved in some of these parties that we're discussing, it doesn't appear or they don't have any evidence to suggest that a drug cult was involved in these murders. Well, we have several victims and we're going to have several suspects in each one of these murders. And that's what's left out from these news articles at the time. They're coming in with these scary headlines that we got these cult druggists and they're just offing people and sacrificing victims. But really we have some decent suspects in each one of these cases and whether or not any of these cases were connected to the others while that seems to be a concern for the public here, and that comes through clearly in this article, it wasn't so much a question for the investigators. In fact, you heard the sheriff saying they have reason to believe that the first murder is not in any way connected to the other two. So they had suspects in each case, and most of those suspects were only a suspect in one of the cases. There was, however, one suspect that popped up in two of the cases, but not the third. So let's go through each of these with a little more detail here, shall let's we? Let's do it. The Patty Lanza case is a very strange one. Right. They all are, but with the way the woman from the last article described everything, I caught myself victim blaming quite a bit, thinking why in the hell would anyone bring a child to that party? You're not victim blaming directly. You're just questioning the actions of the victim's mother. But some more information describes what I think to be more of a family-friendly atmosphere, or maybe at least one might think that going to the party. Right. This was to be a large 4th of July holiday party. Families welcome to this event. It was on a Saturday, which was July 2nd. Deborah Lanza takes her four kids with her to this party on Little Torch Key. At the party, they are roasting hogs, people are playing horseshoes, and there's lots of kids that were present. So not just Deborah's four kids that are there. In fact, many recall one of the favorite activities that the kids were engaging in was chasing one another around a house and chasing each other around on this large wooden patio. Little Patty only four years old, at some point she complains to her mother that she is tired and she's saying, hey, I want to go home. This is just before 10 p.m. So no problem. Deborah Lanza says, okay, we are going to go home. Let me round up your three brothers. The brothers are all older. Patty is the baby of the bunch. It's during this time that mom seems to lose track of Patty. We've all been in this situation, whether we're the parent or we're the child. You're at the party. Now you got to gather up everybody and you got to gather up your belongings. And at this point, she just can't find her daughter. Yeah, this is when the confusion sits in and Patty seems to vanish in the blink of an eye. Then sadly, as we know, her body is found the next day, not terribly far from the house that hosted the party. Within days, there is a suspect. At least one person attending the party reported to authorities that another party attendee 
later determined to be 30-year-old Steve Polite, was seen leaving the house with the little girl just shortly before her mother noticed that she was missing. Right. Police arrested Steve and charged him with false imprisonment of a child under the age of 13 in connection with the girl's death. Steve was arrested on July 5th and put in jail. So, Captain, this was quick. Things are moving quick in this investigation. He is in custody already by July 6th with the announcement that the investigation was ongoing and further charges may be filed, police said. When you have a murdered girl, this is what you want. Some answers quickly. Eyewitnesses coming forward. And it seems like a moment of got him. And this Steve Polite, he was someone that showed up to the party with a handful of other people. But he seems to be one of these guys that a lot of the people at the party didn't seem to know who he was. You know, sometimes at these parties, friends invite friends, and then those friends invite other friends. And next thing you know, you're at this big, large party that you thought you were going to know 90 to 100% of the people in the room, and you're looking around and there's some strangers involved. Yeah, or if you're the captain, you just invite yourself. So a lot of people at this party, they don't know who this guy is. Also, they say that the people that were with him, that came with him, arrived with him at the party, fit in that same category where a lot of the people at the party did not know who these people were. So Steve is arrested. He's sitting in jail. I know they were hoping to get a confession from him, which never came. And I know they were trying to get some additional evidence against him as well. Some physical evidence, because what we have here in this investigation so far is just a witness or a few witness statements that have our victim and our suspect seen together at the party. But if Steve is the guy, well, unfortunately, they don't have any luck getting physical evidence against him. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, 
Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you there, Captain. Now, we have this Steve Polite individual who mm-hmm. is suspect number one in the murder of little Patty Lanza. And odd that his last name is Polite because it might not be so polite that he showed up to a party that nobody seems to know who he is. Right. And unfortunately, this investigation against Steve Polite stalled. I don't know if they were getting conflicting reports from people that were at the party, but what we do know is that law enforcement gets inconclusive scientific reports. They collected blood, hair, and clothing fibers that were sent off for testing, analysis, and comparisons, and none of this evidence was any good for the state in connecting Mr. Steve Polite to the abduction and murder of the little girl. Well, like you said, we have eyewitnesses, but how many times have you been at a party? There's a bunch of people around and you got to run out to your truck or your Jeep to grab the six pack that you brought. So he heads out to get the six pack and this girl heads out to her car to wait for her mother or wait for her family. And so these eyewitness reports, it they put them together, but it they don't put them together in the sense of, they saw this guy grab her and carrying her over his shoulder. Right. Now, the Monroe County State Attorney, he ends up dismissing the charges against Steve, but this doesn't go down until late November of 88. So Steve sat in jail for about eight or nine days shy of five months, and then he is released. Now, interestingly enough, according to Florida Keys Missing and Unsolved, Steve admitted to police that, yes, he was with the girl at the party. There's no detail given here, Captain, so I don't know if he's saying, yes, I I spoke to the little girl, or yes, I spoke to several kids while I was there. But he does not deny being in the company of this little girl, but he tells police, yeah, I talked to her, but she was alive when I last saw her. So he ends up getting released. And then again, according to Florida Keys Missing and Unsolved, he then dies in 1989 or maybe early 1990 of what is reported as natural causes. Apparently, years later, his DNA is tested in this case, in the Patty Lanza case, and it is announced that he is excluded as a suspect. Bum, bum, dun, 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 dun. Our second victim is 20-year-old Lisa Sanders. She was a tiny but strong woman. She was just four foot nine inches tall or four foot ten inches tall, depending on which report Little you read. Little mighty mite. But she battled leukemia and was recovering from her victory over leukemia. Heck, not just recovering, she was living life and moving onward and upward with her life yeah there's probably somebody out there fighting cancer right now keep fighting don't give up you can do this she was a kid from a big family growing up in michigan after leukemia she decided she wanted to pursue a nursing career she enrolled in the florida keys community college nursing program and relocated to big pine key in 1988 about two months later After she arrived there on the night of Friday, December 16th, 1988, Lisa attended a large party on no name key. Some reports say maybe a hundred to possibly even 200 people attended the party throughout the night. 
It's a party. People come and go. It gets a little difficult to determine exactly how many people attended this party. From my understanding here, Captain, this was a regular out in the open. We're out in this rural area, out in the sticks, and people just kind of randomly show up. Sounds like a big bonfire party to me. Yeah, party, dude. And this goes down every Friday night. Now, she is last seen at the party around 9.30 p.m. by several people. The reports are that she left the party on foot saying that she was going to go home or walk home that night. I don't know how far she was living from this party, but again, this is all kind of a small community, all of these three areas that we're talking about, all within 10 miles of one another. The following day, her parents report her missing. And as you heard earlier, police find her body practically led to the body by vultures. She was found off of a dirt road, having been tossed into some bushes. As we reported earlier, she had been beaten, stabbed, and dragged behind a vehicle by a rope tied around her neck, and parts of her were missing. There was debate over the theory of whether it was animals or the killer or both that were responsible for the mutilations done to the body. Yeah. I think I'm comfortable after reviewing the injuries and all of the information saying, yes, it was probably both, right? The We have the statements from police later on, much later after this case takes place, in 1989 and 1990, where they are saying that most of these mutilations appear to have been done by animals, by the vultures, by birds. But one thing we know to be true is vultures didn't tie a rope or chain around her neck and then drag her behind a vehicle. No. So it has to be both. There there shouldn't be much of a debate here. This case has been in the news, not just in 88, 89, or 90. This case has remained in the news from time to time over the years. This one has never strayed very far from the spotlight. In fact, in 2015, police were once again asking the public for their help in this matter and even offering up reward money for information. Now, it does look like they had multiple suspects in this case as well. In fact, they had one that they liked a lot. The Monroe County Sheriff's Detective Bureau have stated publicly over the years that there is a, quote, person of interest in this case. They don't, however, ever give this man's name, but we did a little digging of our own here, and we know this to be a guy that I call the man with four first names. This is Guy Billy Lee Scott, a man convicted of rape, murder, and manslaughter up here in our state, Ohio. From these charges and convictions, he has been in jail or prisons here in Ohio for over 30 years now, And was recently in our local news. In fact, just four days ago, we were told that the Ohio Innocence Project is stepping up to bat for this guy, Billy Lee Scott. Well, this case is going to be difficult for law enforcement because, like you said, the party is so large, 100 people to 200 people. So that's a lot of people to try to track down, especially when there's no, like, list of people that came to the party we have a lot of people just from the community dropping by yeah and scott is 60 years old old turd he's still in prison here in ohio he's serving a 15 years to life in prison sentence 
that he received from a Butler County jury after being convicted of murder, rape, and assault. His case is difficult because up here in Ohio, he's accused of raping and murdering a woman named Lisa Buckley. And oddly enough, this murder takes place shortly after an outdoor party. Sounds a little similar to our first victims, first two victims here in the Keys. Dun, 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 dun. The problem with his conviction, or at least as far as the Ohio Innocence Project sees it, and I'm not here to make any enemies, especially with the good people of the Ohio Innocence Project. Yeah, well, I'm here to talk shit and kick some ass. I've reviewed a lot of this case. The guy looks guilty to me. He's had several appeals that have held up in court, but... Look, they're doing their jobs. They're going to give him a shot here. I guess there's DNA in this Lisa Buckley case. And so they're going to get Scott's DNA and compare it to the Buckley case. And if it doesn't match up, they're going to say this guy was innocent. He was basically convicted off of eyewitness statements and no physical evidence at all in the Lisa Buckley case. Oddly enough, it seems to be that That might be the same thing that was connecting him to the Lisa Sanders case in 1988 down in the Keys, that you have some people suggesting that he was there at the party, and then now we have a victim the following day. There was also some rumor at the time that police were searching for a pickup truck, possibly with Ohio license plates on it. That is back in 1988 in the Lisa Sanders case. Well, and just to be clear, just because the Ohio Innocence Project is going to be taken on this case, they're going to be doing tests before they fully invest their all their time and energy. Correct. So this is going to go down relatively soon, from my understanding. There was a rape kit from the Lisa Buckley case here in Ohio and fingernail scrapings. And from my understanding, that evidence has never been tested and has never been tested against this individual here, Mr. Scott. Maybe these results we can go over on an episode of Off the Record. His claim and his defense team's claim is that this guy was convicted on the statements of eyewitnesses, or as they say, people that made up this story against him to get him convicted, get him wrongfully convicted. The persons that testified against him in the Lisa Buckley case. One was from a previous relationship, which he had that didn't go so well. And the other was a family member of an individual that he was convicted of killing. So they're saying these people had a vested interest in testifying against him, truthful or otherwise. He was already convicted of manslaughter. He was involved in a shootout where we end up with people passing away from their injuries from this shootout. And so that's how he gets the manslaughter charge. And his defense team is saying, of course, this one person testified against him and led to his conviction in the Lisa Buckley case. And they had reason to do so. And that's because they hated him for being involved in the shootout where their loved one passed away. And they probably don't feel like he got a long enough sentence. Yeah, I kind of agree in this case. I mean, some people get longer sentence for selling marijuana. Now, we say all that. 
But really, at the end of the day, the man with four first names, he's got nothing to lose. Just a couple first names. He's in prison either way. So, of course, he's going to say, test it, test it, test it. And hopefully something goes wrong, even if he did do it for him and he catches a break and he gets out. Now, we also could be sitting here a few months from now going, well, he got what he wanted for. They tested it. And it turns out, yes, he killed Lisa Buckley. Well, then we'll scream to the high heels. Got him. But even if he's innocent, we have this rough individual that we know of as far as his history goes, or he put himself around three situations where there's murdered victims. Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me here, Captain, with this individual as a potential good suspect in the Patty Lanza case. I'm going to include that one, as well as the Lisa Sanders case. So I've reviewed some statements that make it sound like maybe he should be a suspect in the Patty Lanza case as well. Reportedly, he was seen at the no-name key party and then seen at the July 2nd, 1988 party on Little Torch Key, the one that the four-year-old Patty Lanza went missing from and then later her body found nearby the following day. Well, like we said, all three victims were found within a 10-mile radius around similar times So if this guy is seen at one party, that puts him as a possible suspect in all the cases. So down there in the Keys, within this six-month stretch, you have two victims that are murdered shortly after or during the course of a party, right? Now, what would make him interesting is, yes, he seems to have been a suspect in the Lisa Sanders case, But some of these reports are suggesting that he attended both of the parties. Right. Now, Monroe County detectives are on the record saying that, quote, he was present at both those parties. But a lot of other people also were present at both, citing that it's such a small community. Right. Okay. So. There are a lot of similarities to the Lisa Sanders case compared to the Lisa Buckley case. And this coming from law enforcement, they say it happened after an outdoor party and the Ohio victim, oddly enough, was also named Lisa. The thing with Scott being guilty or innocent in the Buckley case or the Sanders case, or let's go even with the Patty Lanza case. Yes, the statement from law enforcement down in the key saying a lot of people were at both parties. But guess what? Chicken butt. I guarantee you, I would slap down a big old Benjamin Franklin on this one and wager it. I guarantee you, he was the only guy that was at all three parties. And I'm talking about the the party up here in Ohio where Lisa Buckley was killed afterwards. Right. Now, they are saying they want to test Scott's DNA for comparison in the Lisa Buckley case in Ohio. And that might exonerate him or exclude him from having been the killer in the Buckley case. I say, great. If he's willing to give his DNA for testing in comparison in that case to confirm or remove him as the guy in the Buckley, Ohio case, let's take that DNA too. And if you have any available for our perpetrator in the Patty Lanza case, which you might, right? We give, we gave the statement that it was reported that the one guy who was charged with unlawful imprisonment of a child under the age of 13, Steve Polite, he was locked up and held in jail for four, almost five months 
released, and then the reports are that he passed away a year, year and a half later, and his DNA was tested years later, which excluded him as a suspect in the Patty Lanza case. That would imply that they have DNA of the perpetrator in the Patty Lanza case. Right. They may also have DNA of the perpetrator in the Lisa Sanders case because we know, according to all the reports, that she unfortunately was raped. If he wants his DNA compared in the Lisa Buckley case, I say, great, let's do it. Because if he was wrong, wrongfully convicted, get him out of that cell as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, However, wouldn't he stay in jail for a little bit of time because he's charged with another homicide. However, if he is willing to give his DNA for comparison in that case, I say, if it's possible, let's compare it in the Patty Lanza case and the Lisa Sanders case as well. Yeah. You can test him for all three and look, maybe he is innocent of all three and it's just a weird coincidence that he was at all three parties, but at least you can get closer to an answer by a process of elimination. That's exactly right. Seven months after the brutal torture killing of Lisa Sanders, a man fishing off of the Big Pine Key Bridge at first thought that he caught a big fish, but sadly it turned out to be that he hooked a human elbow. Now, the way that this goes down, and I thought this to be a little bit fishy, let's say, to start with. No pun intended. There you go. When you dive deep into the details here, I'm always suspicious of the person that finds the body. Uh, plus, he's from Ohio. And here, this sound like a suspicious story. Yeah. It took much digging to, to find out the details that this individual, one, was not alone, two, was from out of state, and was on vacation with three other friends. So and it, it was a fishing, less fishy then. Yes. And it was a fishing trip that involved four individuals. So they're all fishing off of this bridge. Now, remember we had said earlier in the description of Sherry Parisho's life, 39-year-old homicide victim Sherry Parisho, she lived on this little boat. And at nighttime, she would take it under this bridge near a swimming hole and regularly sleep there under the stars at nighttime. What it appears to be, Captain, is that somebody in the middle of the night must have approached her and murdered her, and they leave her in the same general area. And unfortunately, this man who's on vacation, he's there with his three friends, the four of them are out fishing, he hooks the elbow of Sherry Parisha. So very quickly, we have the discovery of our third victim, 39-year-old Sherry Parisha, who is reported to be a free-spirited woman living on a small boat. Now, she wasn't just killed. This is where we stray a thousand times away from the first two murders. Unfortunately, you know, the Patty Lanza case, it looks like somebody abducted the little girl, assaulted her, and killed her within a very quick period of time and left the body near the home of the house that was hosting that party. Lisa Sanders, a little more complicated. 
Did she get into the to a car with the wrong individual? Was she abducted on the side of the road as she was walking home that night? It's difficult to say. What we can say is that somebody took her from wherever they got her from and they placed her body in the bushes, not close to where this party was. And then the animals get to the body and really complicate things with the investigation. In this case, it appears that somebody just went after this woman in the middle of the night where she was intending to sleep or nearby her camp, if you want to call it that. She wasn't just killed. She was mutilated. This is a fact where it was a debate with Lisa Sanders. Did a madman do it? Did the animals do it or did both do it? We're saying we believe both in this case. This is completely different. This was man-made mutilation on this poor woman, on this victim. To me, it looks like somebody even playing with the body after the murder. It was determined that she was drowned, and the autopsy revealed the details of the mutilation, some of which was the throat slashed so deeply that the spine was severed and that she was almost decapitated. She was sliced down the length of her torso and her heart and other things were removed. The cuts were so precise that one law enforcement officer said, quote, it was surgical. There was no mistake about what happened here. This is the murder that the locals ran wild with. There were so many theories on this one, each theory stranger than the last. And there were a lot of suspects. I can't say if these were people considered to be suspects by the actual police, but the general public certainly had a list of suspects. At this point, the community, kind of like the Delphi case, they're just going to throw out to law enforcement almost anybody that looks suspicious. I think this is because of a few different factors here in this case compared to the others. Why was there such a heightened level of fascination and fear surrounding this case compared to the others one this being the third murder of this type in just roughly about one year's time two the horror of this one the amount of degradation done to the corpse is pretty much beyond comprehension well and where we question that and with the second victim we don't have to question that so much with the third victim and here with the third victim i think part of the mystery here is compounded by the mysterious lifestyle of the victim herself she was a mystery now she's involved in this mystery who was the lunatic the satanist the madman the monster that killed her in the middle of the night so much more to get to join us back here in the garage tomorrow and until then be good be kind and don't litter
I was shocked, you know? They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that? To exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.